from Chicago. This is Bruce Dumont with our Beyond the Beltway analysis of national politics, featuring occasional injections of rumor and innuendo, all offered up by our panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight, featuring commentary by conservative Brent Hamachuk, conservative Kenton McCarthy, liberal Roberto Montano, and Democrat Socialist Anthony Joel Quesada. Our program tonight coming to you from our home base at the Radio Hall of Fame in Chicago, the Paul and Angel Harvey Radio Studio. Nice to have you with us this evening. And again, uh, there's, a, there's, there's lots to talk about because be, after we went off the air last week, as you know, we talked about uh, Pete Buttigieg dropping out of the race right before, uh, you know, uh, right before we went on the air. And then, of course, it has been a whirlwind week. We will talk about the politics of this week. But again, I do want to begin with the other big uh, public policy and political story of the week, and that is America's response uh, to uh, uh, coronavirus. Uh, Kenton McCarthy, thank you very much. You're one of our card-carrying conservatives this evening, coming in from Arizona to join us. Uh, What is your take thus far, and give me me the short version, everybody. What is your short version thus far of how the administration is handling uh, the coronavirus? This administration? Yes. Uh, it reminds me of what Donald Rumsfeld said years ago. We, we don't even know what we don't know yet. So the, the data is incomplete. We're getting lousy, probably deceptive information from China. Uh, we see it sprouting in all parts of the globe. And we get conflicting views. We have some people, even scientists, will say the mortality rate is no more than the common flu. And then someone else will say, yeah, it's three or four times. We still, we still don't know. We're fumbling around for a solution. Roberto Montano also joins us, one of our Democrats. Uh, Roberto, what's your response? Um, hats off to Michael J. Talley, Brigadier General of U.S. Army uh, Research at uh, Fort Detrick. They're leading uh, a group along with the CDC and NIH. So I, I love government because it can stand up at times like this and really, really provide for an apolitical solution. So the, Are they? They are, definitely. The best and brightest minds, uh, universities are are contributing. We have, um, and the private sector is kicking in too. So there's opportunities that are, uh, that will be compensated for labs, like Quest Labs is ramping up significantly. I I don't own stock or anything, but I'm just saying it's a collaborative thing that is is beyond what I would say this administration's uh, manufacturing. Um, This is a crisis that the president did not start. Uh, and he's having a hard time, in my opinion, getting a hold of it. But thank God we have institutions that are doing their job. I want to follow up on that. But Brent Hamachuk joins us. Brent, nice to have you with us. Another card-carrying nice conservative. Good. Nice to have you back with us. Uh, your response to how government is responding and this administration is responding. Right. Uh, look, I've, I'm not a, uh, a disease scientist. I don't have any way of understanding the details of the disease and are, is the CDC doing everything it can or, or should mm-hmm. S- seems to be fine. I'm, I'm satisfied. I don't see anything happening that frightens me. I'm very disturbed. I think the much bigger story than the virus is the way the American media and the Democratic Party are using this virus. I think that is appalling and it is so transparently obvious that, uh, they're trying to create a panic. 
they're doing everything they can to create a panic. I want to come back and talk about that at length, but I want to bring Anthony Joel Cusada in. Uh, nice to have you back. It's been a while since you've been on. Uh, you're a Democrat socialist. Democratic socialist. Democratic socialist. Yeah. So step back and give us your assessment from your uh, young age, your tender years. Uh, how do you think the government is responding to this crisis? I recall uh, President Trump being at a rally uh, denying the threat of coronavirus or calling it a hoax, which is very irresponsible. He as called being a Democrats a hoax. Correct. He did not call the disease a hoax. Okay. Well, that's it's that. just still weird language, and it's not responsible language to be talking about a very serious public health concern. Um, and so I don't think the administration has taken this seriously, but beyond what the administration thinks, we also don't have the kind of public health care infrastructure that's needed to meet, uh, you know, the, the demands of a crisis like this. Um, I hear that there are only about like 80,000 respirators in the United States. Well, let's say this virus does get worse and there are more than 80,000 people. How, how is our government and our uh, health care infrastructure going to be able to meet the demands of people who are struggling with this virus okay. and struggling with different illnesses? Let's just focus on that. Sure. The CDC, have they been caught short uh, at this point, in your view, Kent? Everyone's caught short, especially bureaucracies. There's, you can't plan for an infrastructure to be capable of responding to this type of eruption. The only people that knew about this virus months ago were the Chinese. We still don't know where it came from. So if you're going to say that governments around the globe should be prepared and have these kind of facilities and materiel on hand in case of a virus outburst, you're going to have a lot of people saying that's wasted money. Is that what you, is that what you meant, um, What I'm saying is, at this moment, in this crisis, we either have coronavirus for all or we have Medicare for all. And if, President, if uh, Senator Sanders were to have become president back in 2016 and we would have fought for a single-payer health care system... You're bringing it into the political discussion. I want to save that sure. until later. I want to focus right, right now. Yes. Uh, people want to know right. if their government... Is is acting as best they can, and you're saying I, I think our our government is not acting as best it can, and and furthermore, I don't think our again our public health care infrastructure is not suited to meet the demand of, of a crisis like this, and okay. we need to fight for Roberta. one that can. Uh, about a year ago, we had an officer which was like a czar for these sort of endemics, and the president said we don't need that and got rid of it. That was a policy decision. He got rid of an essential component that would have coordinated some of these efforts. Now. That being said, we're, Democrats are doing their best, and I, some Republicans are great, and we're working together. A bill just passed that was $8.3 billion of appropriations. It passed 96 to 1. The one vote against it was Rand Paul because right. he's a libertarian and he thinks right. whatever. But I think the government's responding. Um, that being said, the president hasn't led because he doesn't know what's going on. Well, when you say he hasn't led um, and, and he doesn't know what's going on, is it is it his utterances or is it? I mean, I've seen him at press conferences where he has deferred to the experts from the CDC. He also claims that he understands because he had an uncle that went to MIT. Like, what? That's not a credential. Like, this, I, this we we live in a culture where everything has to be spun, including this White House, to the best political posture. So, if you're dealing with a with a existential threat and a shock to the health system and the economy, like the coronavirus, if he had stopped all flights inbound and outbound to China, he'd be labeled a racist. And he probably still is, okay? Well, that's is that's one way to isolate yourself from the threat. What about if he does it to Italy? He, he it, probably it, it, should because Italy is doing it to itself. Right. And so I'm saying, Brent, I mean, is he making a mistake by not including Italy? 
Look, uh, he would have my support in doing anything that he felt it was necessary to do in terms of shutting down travel into the United States. I'll tell you one thing. With regard to having this president in this moment in time, I am certainly grateful that we have a president who believes in America first and the sovereignty and security of borders as opposed to one who doesn't. Because for whatever he may or may not do, anything we would have gotten from, say, the last administration or potentially the next administration, or say if Mayor Lightfoot were president, this is a lot better. Okay, as you can tell, we have a lot of people here. (laughs) They want to get into the politics of it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to try another segment without the politics, and we'll stay with the policy, and then, I trust you, we will get into the politics. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Chicago. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy the right to know about technology, and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack, and we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. We're coming back. I wish I wish we could uh, send down maybe maybe to those listening on the internet. We just we just keep uh, running with what we talk about yeah, during right. the breaks. Uh, <laughs> uh, something that that uh, you brought up, Anthony, and that is whether or not the 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 health uh, stra- uh, ad- uh, apparatus and infrastructure of the United States is ready for something big like this. Yeah. And uh, I think there could be debate. I think Kenton is right. About it. We have 300 million, uh, you know, needles ready to give people inoculations. We don't. We won't even have the virus. That's another issue. That big political and science issue. But I, I want to get back to the issue of testing, yeah. because one of the issues this week was testing. And I flipped on the TV the other day, and Donald Trump was he, he was walking through the CDC with this red hat on. Uh, it drove me crazy, by the way, that he had his red uh, Keep America Great hat on. I don't think that was, for a guy that wants to be presidential, I don't think you show up in your campaign rally hat. I think that was wrong. Uh, but he basically said during the course of that, and, you know, if you want to be tested, you go to your doctor and you get your tests. And Basically, he was saying, get your tests. And then, like, four hours later, I'm watching the vice president with this press conference at, at the 3M company, and he's saying, well, no, we're not, doctors aren't ready to give tests out. I mean, to me, that was a huge miscommunication on the part of the administration. Do you agree? I mean, do, well, do our think, Republicans agree with that? Brent, we, we had a conversation before the show started. We were talking about, and this is as bipartisan as I can get, is that America is very, is very good at catastrophes, good at huge shocks, internally or externally 
okay, war, New Orleans, economics, yeah. and so on. Houston. We're really lazy when it comes to the day-to-day stuff. So if eight-plus billion of this goes to testing kits and respirators and this virus dies off in two months, he's going to be accused or any administration will be accused of wasting money. We're really lazy when it comes to the day-to-day affairs. We're good at the big stuff, like World War II. Until, until this virus hits us like it has Italy, but can I, we the, won't allocate can the I, right resources. Brent. Well, let me uh, answer sort of the question you asked. One of the problems we have in American politics today, in general, is that we think that if somebody's our guy, we're supposed to defend our guy in everything our guy does. That's true. So could, in, in wearing the hat, I, that actually does, I love the irreverence. The statement about go to your doctor, get a vaccine, am I, am I going to say that was a smart thing to say or a good thing to say? No, it probably wasn't. Honestly, I couldn't care less. And the reason I couldn't care less is I don't have to feel like every single thing the president does is done perfectly. Uh, I'm I'm not that guy, but I no, do. But Brett, think- this, this this was basic information. The, the the focus of that day was testing, and you have the president in a cavalier way in the morning saying one thing, and the vice president, who's supposed to be the singular spokesman, is saying something else a little more factual. I mean that that's the point. I like the idea when 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 the president is standing there and he's saying, "Okay, uh, uh, Dr. Fauci, come on up here." And uh, when he's passing it around, I feel really good because I who who he's passing don't, it don't, to. Don't no. deify Fauci. He can, he can change his viewpoints I as, as he does as he has before. He's got the safest job in the country at the moment. Yeah, that's I true. think. I, but you're also going to jump in. Um, I, I think. We've clearly seen after many years with this president that he doesn't know what he's doing. Very rarely does he even know what he's doing. Um, The fact that he was instructing Americans to go get testing and we clearly don't have the infrastructure for testing is just another, you know, tale of the story of the president. But what I'm also really concerned with is that advice of just telling Americans go to the doctor. Well, guess what? A lot of Americans can't afford going to the doctor. And again, speaking to the lack of a actually people-focused public health care infrastructure in this country, People are drowning in debt, and we need to make sure that people can go to their doctor without worrying about going into debt and also have paid sick leave so if they do get sick, they can stay home and not uh, you know, get the public sick and expose them to, to, to this virus. So I think all around uh, we are setting – this country is set up for, for disaster. Does, for the president, like does the president also have a responsibility, as I think he demonstrated this week? He's got an airline industry that's – I mean, going in the wrong direction. He has a cruise line industry that's probably going out for at least a decade. I mean, I don't know who's going to be taking cruises anymore. But the question is that he's got to try to keep all these things afloat, no pun intended, and at the same time without scaring the hell out of the people. Is he he doing a good job at that, Roberto? I, you know, if he was, the market would be responding, but nobody's flying and nobody's taking those cruises. You couldn't pay me to get on a cruise. So if that's the metric, is he supporting those industries? No. I think the better metric— Would you take a flight? Um, I would, but I've been vaccinated again because I was in the Army. Okay. Malaria, dengue, yellow fever. Like, I'm an I'm unusual case. I would not put my children on a flight if I had kids. I don't have kids, but I wouldn't. And I, don't, I think a lot of people would keep their kids Flights home. are cheap. Look, Tenting. wait, wait, one last thing. Loyola University canceled its summer program to Italy. Right, and those parents have means, and they're those kids are crushed. But too bad. Have we demonstrated to the world and to the Chinese, the United States can easily go into a panic? 
because the media will act and react in a way that will jack everybody up it, it, and it, it, have it, it, universities it, it, cancel trips to Italy and have someone play a hockey game yesterday with nobody in, it's in the Putin, audience. It's Putin it, taking notes a, right here. It'll be a, welcome, China. It'll be a welcome panic because there's a lot of people, no offense, but there's a lot of people at this table who see the upside in this virus in advancing Medicare for all. That no, is, that is, it's that, not, that, a, that, that, it's not a political opportunity. What we're doing is we're trying to take care of our people. And right now we have, a, we have, we have a healthcare we have industry that is running off a of profit, <clears throat> which is not prioritizing people's needs. So that's that's we have true. The, we that's have the true. best healthcare in the world. We have the best healthcare if in the world. If I could rephrase the because of the profit We have to have one person talking at a time. So let me recognize everybody, and everybody's going to get a chance. Kenton, finish your point. I'm just going to say, we have the best health care system in the world because of the profit motive, not despite it. Okay. Okay. Roberto. To rephrase um, Sada's point, I think that investments in human capital, health care, and education lead to productivity. I think we can agree to that if you want to look at it from a capitalist model. And healthy people are more productive. Amazon just told all of its workers, stay home. Or with Apple, I'm sorry. Apple just told all of its workers, stay home. But if you're a waiter, if your job is to run a kitchen, you can't stay home. And first of all, you can't afford to stay home. So there's a bill in Congress now, which isn't getting a lot of votes. And this is where I'm about democratic uh, incrementalism. Right? I think we're getting in the right direction. That says we ought to set aside sick leave for this particular issue. And if it's not this issue, there'll be other. If it's a pandemic... People ought to be able to stay home because that's just good for everybody. Yeah. So can I go back to your question? Yeah, go back. Are the, are the Chinese I love when learns? people go back to my question. Yeah, let's go back to your question. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking these questions up. Are the, uh, are the Chinese learning that Americans <clears throat> can be made to panic? Absolutely. The Russians are. That's exactly are. what they're everybody learning. Everybody is. Everybody's learning. So what we're exposing in this is sort of, what, 60, 70 years of living in such a high degree of comfort. We are so wealthy, we are so fat, we are so opulent that we have lost our nerve. And people are coming unhinged. I live in the North Shore area of Chicago with all the super wealthy folks, all the the very woke folks, social justice, Mm -hmm. all those things. What are they doing? They're cleaning out Costco. You can't get water or hand sanitizer. I mean, so much for the general will and the greater good. Mm-hmm. They're panicked. And yes, our enemies are watching and they're seeing how soft we are. It doesn't mean you don't take a measured response to things. It doesn't mean you don't use common sense and good judgment. It does mean you don't lose your mind. And people are losing their minds. Not everybody. Not, I mean, <clears throat> people, people are having... Of course the, not everybody. Most I mean, people are busy. And like this comes on if you've got time to watch MSNBC or CNN... But like people that I know are going to work and then they're taking care of their kids and they're going to school. Um, I do jujitsu. It's fun for me. I blow off steam. We are in our face, grabbing to the guy, pushing, sweating. There's no drop off in the gym. I mean, just not everybody's freaking mine this out. morning. Yeah. Highland Park gym almost empty on a Sunday morning when it's typically very full. <clears throat> well, I'm from the Lower West Side, so maybe so the Lower was, West Side is different. Full, it, it was empty. They must have been Pilates. Pilates. Is yeah. this? No, it was. It was, it was empty. Go to work. Is the, is this a direct link? And I want to come back to you, uh, Anthony, because because you certainly have have reason to, to be critical of the news media as well and the way they handle you know victories by Bernie Sanders uh, and the glee with which they report his his, his premature demise, perhaps. 
how much of this goes right back to the news media and the business of the news media, and part of it is to inform the people, and by informing the people that people are running and taking off things at the shelves in Costco in, 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 in uh, Winnetka, is that a viable news story? Or does that feed people running to other places taking things off the shelf? I, think I mean, how, how, much does, how much do the American people really need to know about this subject and the ramification of this subject? I, I think, you know, we should have a very responsible media. And, and unfortunately, we have a sensationalist media. We have a media that is run <clears> based, <throat> again, off profit. Um, why aren't we bringing, you know, uh, scientists from the CDC to give, like, a daily update about what's going on and best practices and whatnot? Be, act, be well, calm they do. and responsible. The, 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 see, the news media does that. I mean, the, I, I, I don't fault the news media on, on, on having the, the news conferences. They've had a news conference virtually every day. Mm -hmm. And, again, they usually have the experts there. I mean, sometimes when the president speaks, you know, uh, his whatever he says is going to be the lead story. Unfortunately, yeah. Un, well, un, unfortunately, <laughs> because, because he, he I, may not know as yeah. much as... As as some of the scientists, oh, he definitely doesn't. He does not. Yeah, he does not. Okay. And that and that's the problem is that. But the here's media something would, else. Yeah. Somebody criticized said the other day. Well, he made some comment about you know the, the maybe a miracle will cure this. This was like I think last week. Right. No, we <coughs> we need, say, we oh need vaccines. But, but, but no, you say oh boy. But you know what? There's a lot of people who out there, and they're not just all conservative Republicans. There's a lot of people out there who are of faith. Praise the and Lord, they, but wash your hands. Just a minute. They, they, do, they do believe in miracles. So complete for a politician to say something like that, he isn't saying, you know, go take a prayer and forget to wash your hands. Okay. But again, you can't dismiss people of faith as well, factually. Amen. Amen. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers count. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain, and reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us tonight. Uh, we are engaged in a great discussion of policy, and we're going to get into politics in just a moment. But let's let our four guests introduce themselves, and we begin with Brent Hamachuk. Hi, I, um, I am the director for policy research for the American Populists, which is a new uh, group started by Jeff Webb. Jeff's the, Jeff is the uh, founder of Varsity Brands, so he's been a cheerleader uh, for decades, and now he's a cheerleader for the middle class, and we're working on policies to uh, support middle class economic health and well-being. Roberto Montano also joins us. Uh, Roberto Montano, uh, regular neighborhood Chicago guy, and I have—I don't know how I get on this show, to be honest with you, but I, I'm grateful. You know, people have been asking me about that. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> I, you say I, you're, a running, I'm, you're a regular I'm run, neighborhood guy. I'm running a couple For of those campaigns. around the country, what does that mean to a, be a Chicago regular neighborhood guy? That means I, I'm, I'm, 
I, I worry about my backyard a lot. I worry about judicial races, for example. People don't care about those normally. I know. I work passionately, passionately to get people into the judiciary. Uh, it's often overlooked. So, like, I won't name drop, but I have a friend. She's candidate number 232 on the ballot. Wow. And so somebody's got to fight for those people. And I think that that yeah. makes a difference. So I'm, I'm here for that. Well, I think the motto is if it's better to vote all no than all yes. It's <laughs> so much easier because we have long ballots in, in Cook County we and Chicago, do. Illinois. Kenton McCarthy, tell everybody who you are and a little bit about your background. Uh, Kenton McCarthy, born in suburban DuPage County. This marks my 28th year of being on Beyond the Beltway. Wow. Wow. The, f- the, first, the first time was with Jesse Jackson Sr., and I yep. thought it would, was going to be my last. Yeah. <laughs> ended, up, ended up teaching a semester at Malcolm X College uh-huh. on business and finance. Uh, spent 25 years on Wall Street, then started my own firm called Vulcan Consultants, and I help cities manage their portfolios and keep them out of trouble. It was named after... My great-grandfather's company, he started fresh off the boat at 1600 West Lake Street wow. in 1916. Absolutely. And, and what was that company? Vulcan Stamping. Vulcan. It became Vulcan Containers, and you know the sure. okay. background. Anthony Joel Quesada. Mm-hmm. Hey, Bruce. How are you? Uh, doing well. Uh, this is my, again, my name is Anthony Joel Quesada. This is my fourth year on uh, Beyond the Beltway with you, Bruce. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am a lifelong resident of Logan Square. Uh, I am currently an organizer with the Chicago Democratic Socialist, with United Neighbors of the 35th Ward, which is an independent political organization. And I'm a candidate uh, for Democratic Committeeman of the 35th Ward. Um, I, my vision is to unite millions of poor and working class people in our country, but around the world, uh, to fight the very real crises you know, of climate change, of lack of adequate uh, health care, of education. Uh, I believe in a world that can work for all of us and not just for the rich few. Okay. Logan Square, my old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. When I was your age, I was organizing for conservative Republicans. How about the war has changed quite a bit? Yes. <laughs> there weren't many conservative Republicans then either. Um, right now, I'm a point of a personal uh, privilege. I want to just uh, take a moment uh, to offer my condolences for those listening around the country, uh, you, and you came from Chicago, you certainly know the name Lee Phillip. She was the first lady of Chicago television. Uh, she had a remarkable career. I had the pleasure of producing her program for CBS to Chicago uh, in the late 70s and early 80s. Uh, she, along with her late husband, Bill Bell, they created The Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful, two of the most successful uh, daytime dramas of all time. She was a terrific person on and off the camera. I learned a a lot from her. She was a very gracious lady. She passed away at age uh, 91. And again, we're just uh, from yesterday, uh, if you grew up in Chicago, and this may be a shock to a lot of people around the country, Clark Weber, who was the morning man on the legendary WLS. Uh, he died at age uh, 89 yesterday. And again, a, a giant, one, a true giant of Chicago television, the other, a true giant of Chicago radio, both passed away within days. And again, uh, we offer our condolences uh, to their families. Uh, let us go back now to uh, uh, a question uh, to everybody. I want to get I want to get into the politics of it. Um, Anthony, you seem to be the most interested in getting involved in this. Why should, or let me let me say this: explain to the people who are watching and listening to this program tonight, who are very fearful when they hear the name Democratic Socialist. And they're turned off to Bernie Sanders because they're believing all the, all that's been said and written about democratic socialism. Why should they give 
your political philosophy a second chance or even a first chance? Yeah, I mean, right now we have to look at the current conditions, economic conditions and social conditions, political conditions that Americans across this country are living in. Um, I just came back from uh, the East Bay of California, uh, uh, Oakland area, and I saw swaths and communities of, of people who are living under bridges uh, in tents and tent communities. Um, similar thing back here in Chicago. I know that you know people are working two to three jobs to get by. Rent is unaffordable. Their their rent burden, which means that they're paying more than uh, thirty percent of their income on rent. Um, people are struggling very hard. And while there are millions of people who are struggling, you have the three richest people in this country who own more wealth than the bottom fifty percent. Right now, uh, all about forty percent of new income in the United States goes to this top 1% in our country. Um, this is unsustainable and this is immoral. Uh, what democratic socialists like myself believe in is fighting for economic justice, fighting for racial justice, fighting for environmental justice, fighting for social justice. It means uniting millions of people who are poor, who are oppressed, who are working class together so that we can fight for our own collective good. Kendall McCarthy, um, <laughs> can I answer that? I want you to respond to that, especially. I want to, I want you to start with okay. the immorality. Of That's the where I was going to start. Okay. That's where here, here's my beef with socialism, or what I call actually socialism today is now run by Bolsheviks. Two problems with socialism: first, it's never worked; second, its necessary ally is tyranny. That's the biggest. Those two things are the biggest threats we have via socialism. Bernie Sanders didn't honeymoon in Copenhagen. He chose to honeymoon in the Soviet Union. Okay. So? And to you that well, if you have a generous social welfare system, that doesn't mean there's nothing wrong, inherently wrong with that. Let me stop, first of all. A quick follow-up. Because he honeymooned in the Soviet Union, um, that sends a very loud signal to you that it may not send to Roberto. What does it mean to you that he honeymooned there? Can I get back to the morality thing? Yeah, no, but I want you to answer. I want you to answer the honeymoon he's, question uh, first, he, and then I want to. Here's here's what I do like and respect about Bernie Sanders prior to him getting woke or wokeified yeah. over the last <laughs> few years. Um, Here's a guy who believes in the economic model. He comes at it as an outsider. He is a, he's as much an outsider to D.C. as Trump was. He comes at it from the approach is this is what I believe in. This is what I think can or should happen. And he's been true to those principles since he was probably a kid, which is terrific. He's honest as Authentic. far as that goes. The prob- Here's where he's going to fail is when you start – you introduce the word morality and you start scolding people – and if you don't adhere to his socialist model, you're somehow immoral. Remember when, remember when Robert Novak, the uh, Catholic, wrote about the morality of capitalism? Mm-hmm. Everyone who founded capitalism based, uh, based it on moral principles as well. I want to go back to Anthony. Where has socialism succeeded? We have socialist programs here in the United States. Um, we have our public library system, right? All that socialism means in in a very simplistic manner, and when we're talking about priorities of our revenue and how we are spending money, right, in our budgets, is are we investing it into the public? Are we putting it back into public hands? Are we putting it back into public access? Or is wealth being held off by a private few? Is there a country on the face of the earth where that has worked? 
there are, there are, so I think this, this question, it, because I think a lot of Americans tend to do this, they try to put people in a corner and say, where, where has socialism worked? There have been socialist programs across the country that okay. have worked in terms of healthcare, education, um, and, and, and the public good, and housing. Um, this happens all over the place, and it's happening right now. It's a living thing. It's happening in Cuba. It's happening in Sweden. Um, there, there, are, there are aspects of Venezuela that, that, that worked out well. There are many things that didn't work out well, but what is, what is important to know is that we can and should be investing our wealth into the public and not into military, not into uh, exploiting other people. It can happen. We just need to have the political Brent, will and courage to Brent, do so. Brent, uh, address the, the point of exploitation of, of well, our Look, look I, uh, the fact that there's poor people living in America is absolutely true. The poor will always be with you. I think it is terribly unfair that you want to sentence those people to permanent poverty by turning the means of production and control over to the state to have it centrally managed. That's what socialism is. It's really collective control. It's replacing individual decisions with collective decisions. Now, in, I would love, by the way, I know I can't do it. I'd love to come back and do a whole two-hour show on this because this is, this is my thing. Here's the problem with socialism. Nothing is new. We're looking at something today that started back in the time of Plato, it went to Rousseau, and then it went to Marx, all right? That's the daisy chain. Everything that's ever been written and proposed with regard to socialism is predicated on one key must, and that is human beings have to be inherently good. And if they're not, then what you wind up with, if you move to this model of collective decisions, you get something that looks a little bit like Jeff Goldblum in The Fly. You get somebody who goes through that transformer, they're a little bit beast, they're a little bit man, and it will be monstrous. Roberto Montano. I think it was FDR who said that we have capitalism for the poor and socialism for the rich. Martin Luther King, actually. Martin Luther King? Yeah. I think they both said it, actually, but uh, in, in, any, in any case... <laughs> You have the the What's the retribution? The the Ryan the Ryan, the Ryan uh, tax cuts, which effectively was a huge windfall, a wealth transfer from the poor to the rich. That's kind of a socialism. When I can choose to say, if you're a uh, uh, tax take, taker, taker or tax, take. a new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy the right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack and we must work to protect it because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org.
back in Chicago, 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to call us, 1-800-723-8289. And Roberto Matano, you were making a point about socialism and capitalism. Sure, sure. Thank each you. of us, each of it exists. Thank you, Bruce. So we really have a blended economy, and we always have. And so, and there, there's some critique that would say that we have socialism for the rich, and they get handouts and tax breaks, and we have capitalism for the poor, where bootstraps when you don't have boots. I would say, as a Democrat, I'd like to echo the Paul Wellstone sentiment, which is we all do better when we all do better. There has to be a place for retraining of those union employees that aren't going to get those factory jobs back. There has to be a place for investments in human capital, like health care, for corona not to kill us. Uh, but then you have a Republican platform. Uh, a, a night and day to me, just real quick, is uh, the former governor of Illinois, Mr. Bruce Rauner. And he, the first thing he does is he cuts higher education funding by 31.5%. And that kills almost a third of the middle class is trying to better itself. We almost shut down Chicago State University, uh, UIC, the public institutions that we're supposed to be investing in. And so to me, when we talk about like, socialism, educating people so they can better themselves, giving them the tools they need to be healthy, that is not what I would call socialism, but it is a collective approach. Uh, let's let uh, Kent you, I, don't, I don't know if you remember this. 20 years ago when I was on with Jesse Jackson Sr., we were talking about the inner city, and I said if, to his face, if the problem is economic, then why is the solution not economic? And that's what led me to teach at Malcolm X. If, if, I, were, if I were Trump, I would look at every impoverished community in the country, especially those that are minorities, and I would build dedicated VOTEC training and train these people skills, practicable, workable skills that are valued in the marketplace. Because now, I don't, he, said, he said that in the, I, in the State of the Union. He addressed well, that. He did, he did, he but, but I'm old enough to know Jack you're Kemp's enterprise zones, yes. too. Okay? And you're talking about vocational training. For those exactly. Yeah. Why? So... It, it, and this goes back to culture. If, if LeBron James says the pathway for inner city kids is either entertainment or sports, those are one in a gazillion odds for any of these kids. And anyone who goes down the path of learning, training, working is treated as an outlier. Those are cultural issues that have to be addressed. And just to go back to your point, if, if there's a young person who wants to get started in life, what is your path? What is your, if, if capitalism did not exist, what would be the path for them to graduate from high school and make a living for themselves and their family? Well, yeah, I mean, we, I think some of my colleagues here to the left misunderstand about socialism is that it's not about state control. It's about people in control, right? It's not about this tyrannical you know, government that's controlling every single decision. No, it's workers in their communities who have control of their workplace, who are able to guide how the economy is moving and how we are producing things in the collective good. One moment, please. Um, so what does it look like for, for people like my age who are trying to come through? Well, we can't go to school because it's too expensive. Or if we go to school, we're drowning in student loan debt right after. Um, there is a struggling economy that's not really working for us. Uh, we have to juggle two to three jobs just to get by um, and barely get by. This is this 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 kind of economy is not Anthony right. yeah. Anthony yeah, go for it. what is the job they have they graduate from high school mm -hmm. don't they have to go to some place that has been founded by a capitalist 
where some capitalist has invested money to create a snack shop, a, a gas station, a retail store, whatever it is, mm-hmm. don't they then get sucked into a capitalism way of living because there is no alternative. You can't go, once you graduate from Schur's High School or whatever, you can't go and say, well, I'm going to work in the social service sector because I'm not going to get paid enough to live happily ever after with myself or a family. I think you're confusing uh, a market uh, as being something that only lives within capitalism. A market can exist under socialism, and it should. It has to. That's, the markets will have to exist as humans exist. But what so, are the markets? So, That's what I want to know. So what, what, I wanna, and, and I, I'm looking for a, a fu- simple answer yeah, to what, what do they right. do. So you can still go to your same job, but is there a boss that is denying you your workers' rights? Is there a boss that is taking a, a larger share of the profits for himself the and answer only is giving yes. you wage slavery? Right? But, you so, so who, so who, cor- who corrects is, that? Directs it. Right mechanism corrects that. Other than other workers who are actually controlling their workspace and get to workers, share. Workers, you like, mean like government? No, I like said I said socialism's necessary ally is tyranny. There has no, to be. No, that's incorrect. That's it, it is correct. How, how do you cor- how do you finish. correct the inefficiencies of of the marketplace unless there's some sort of governmental mechanism which overrides it ostensibly to the aid of the worker. Oh, what, were you going to respond to No, that? no, you can respond to that, and then we'll go to Brent. Okay, so as a socialist, I believe that we need to transform our economy, right? We need to. But be these are these are nebulous, I'm wonderful I'm, platitudes. But I'm I'm saying, how do you address if you say we have to be market based? How do you address the inequalities that the market necessarily produces? Because we are all unequal. We have to be unequal for a market-based economy so, no, to work. I, I don't think so. And I think that's an outdated – I mean, maybe that's what's gotten us to this point in human history, but I what, think it's outdated. To what point? What do you, I'm saying this – the market, uh, like capitalism, has brought us to this point in human history. What point? And now what we, is so, what is sorry, so dire about this point? Can, can you let me speak, please? I'd be happy to. We need to, we need to evolve from this system, right? Same way we evolve from – uh, slavery. We need to evolve from capitalism. I would say, I would say it's devolved. We, we need to stop um, making, exploiting one another across this planet, and we need to start cooperatively creating an economy that Folks, works for all of us. everybody to your corners. We've got a break. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly with another full hour of Beyond the Beltway. We'll hear from all of our guests in your telephone calls. about how much someone drinks do you feel angry or depressed most of the time do you feel neglected or unloved do you feel that if the drinker loved you she or he would stop drinking 
If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA because numbers count. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Let's head west to Santa Cruz, California, where Liz is listening to us on AM 1460. Go ahead. Well, let me see how quickly I can talk because the dog has to go out. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> now, first of all, I do want to say the person, I didn't get his name, who was talking about platitudes and all that. Yeah. He's, he's right on, you know. And uh, it's not, let me just turn this radio, turn the radio down, please. Yeah, turn it down, yeah, because we're on a little delay here. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, now it's it's not what <clears throat> is said that's the problem, you know. Um, the problem is, is, is something much more important. The problem is one has to experience, for example, two sides of the story here. They're both the same sides. But either you have to speak with, you have to interview people who um, have visited and they're able to understand uh, the language, okay, either from Cuba, from Russia, from Romania, etc. 
and um, Venezuela. You know, you have to talk to the people that live the life, okay? Mm-hmm. And to see what these people uh, talk about, the, what the facts of life are really like. You know, like to tell you how they have, I mean, it sounds wonderful. It all sounds wonderful. We're all going to eat. We're all going to go to school. We won't have to pay. And it's wonderful. And uh, I'm all for that, sure. Uh, but um, the problem is we have to go there. Uh, you have to visit the country. And, uh, right, and unfortunately, a lot of people, a lot of people, don't have the opportunity to do that. I right. know, you know, Bernie exactly. Sanders. Got, that's why. That's why I say, or you need people from the country to tell no. you how they, how they wait for four hours online sure. to get uh, their two meal for two weeks, and what's the meal look like? Right. It, it, it's two slices. Uh, it's two of uh, bread. You know, two packages right. of bread, a couple of um, uh, sardines. You know, and I uh, forget the third. You know. No, I know, but but, but part of that part of that is is as you say engaging with people, and you know, several years ago, uh, mm-hmm. I, I went to Cuba, and okay. uh, you know, I mean, uh, people, you know, they they were literate. Uh, this mm-hmm. was you know talking about what Bernie Sanders talked about the literacy rate, uh, oh, yeah. and they do have health care, but they make twenty dollars a month. Twenty dollars a month is the average salary. I don't know how people live on twenty dollars a month. Brent Hamachek okay. has a comment. I'm sorry. Stay on, stay on the line, Liz. Stay on the line. Go ahead. Because I have to, the dog has to go out. <laughs> okay, let the, who, all right, go ahead. Let the, let the dog out, and then we're going to go to. Please let the dog out. I did not want to be responsible for that kind go. of an accident. Although it's fitting when we're talking about socialism, uh, that's sort of a mess. Uh, look, to, to go back to where we were at the end of the last segment and to tie it into this call, uh, the what we're talking about is the problem inherent in this system that requires, and it is about, by the way, collective decision-making, people making decisions on behalf of larger groups. Who's going to make the decisions? How are they going to get the wisdom and knowledge to make them? And oh, by the way, the complaints you have with free markets, with free exchange, is that there are bad folks doing bad things and people are exploited. So the question becomes, What happens when they walk through the doors of government and then they start to make decisions on behalf of us? Is there magic dust that suddenly transforms them from the evil free market tyrant into some sort of benevolent and wise government leader? Of course not. If they're dreadful on the outside, they're dreadful on the inside. And I'd rather take my chances making my own decisions than having those decisions made for me. Anthony. Uh, Yeah, so... Speaking on some of the realities that, was her name Liz? Liz. Um, well, let's look back here in the United States, right? We have millions of foreclosed homes. We have 500,000 people who are living homeless. We have a lot of kids who go to sleep hungry, yet we have stores and shelves full of food. Um, this economy is not set up in a way to meet people's needs. It is not affordable. Um, you have other countries like Venezuela, like Cuba, that are struggling because of the economic sanctions that the United States imposes on them because they're not playing the same ball. They're not playing the go- global capitalist uh, game, and so they're being punished for it. I just had a friend, uh, my best friend actually, who went to Venezuela for two and a half weeks, and he reported back on some of the social conditions and how people were very happy living in their homes and whatnot. Uh, but there are very real struggles that exist, but it is because of the vice script that the United States has over the Western Hemisphere, over economies and countries like but Venezuela. there but you talk but 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 you told oh you earlier on you were talking about life uh, in in San Francisco and yeah, some of the absolutely the, the mm-hmm. life. but the point is in many cases 
there are municipal programs and there are federal government programs for those people to partake of, and, and they no, don't take. That's not true. That's not true, Bruce. I work in city government here, and I know that there are homeless communities in in, in my community who need but, that kind of help, and those resources just do not exist. You have ten-year waiting periods for an affordable housing unit. That's unacceptable. Wait that a minute. Unacceptable. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. If you're going to try to make the argument that we don't spend enough money on poverty in this country, that is an impossible argument to make. Since the 1960s forward, we have spent trillions of dollars. All it has done is just what Daniel Patrick Moynihan predicted it would do. It has exacerbated the problem. It has torn apart families. It has taken away initiative. We have spent so much money, and yet the problem gets worse. The idea that somehow spending more is the solution, I'm sorry. I mean, reasonable people can differ, but I'm not going to buy it. Here's where socialists get lazy. First of all, they're the first ones to smell flowers and look for a funeral. Second of all, really? yeah. I mean, this, 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 country, this country is the grandest country on the planet. And because you saw a few homeless people in East Bay. I that saw just, hundreds of people. Oh, then, take up with, ta- then take it up with Gavin like Newsom. That. If you can fog a mirror in this country, it, you're going to get. You're gonna, before Gavin Newsom. You're going to get food, you're going to get housing, you're going to get medical treatment. Okay? The largesse that we provide for the poor is staggering. Socialism doesn't work, and the only response to socialist failure, socialism's failures, is it wasn't applied properly. That's lazy, and people are tiring of it. How do you go ahead, Roberto? So there's a couple of structural issues that we have to talk about before we talk about lazy people, and that is how hard it is to get a job sometimes. Mm -hmm. We just, thank goodness, allow people that are not guilty of a crime but being held in county jail to vote. That was a big push. And w- if you come out of uh, incarceration, if that happened to you because you come from a community that doesn't have a lot of opportunities, chances of you getting a job are very, very low. So we're asking people to go get a job. Now, I have American Legion in my, my neighborhood, and we go out and we feed our fellow veterans who happen to be homeless. Mm-hmm. And there's these camps all over Pilsen, which is in Chicago, sorry. And, and, and in any city across America, I think you'll find that there are people who have had opportunities that, that, are, that they did not have, okay? There are rich people there, and there are – it's not a lack of – it is so hard to be poor in America. Um, it's expensive to be poor It in is America. expensive to be poor in America, and the bottom line for me is not that there are rich and there are poor. For me, the issue is the lack of social mobility – like I have a friend who struggles to get insulin. He's going to go blind. And he works every day. And it's just, it, 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 it's appalling to me to hear that we don't do enough when you compare it to what we spend on other things. When, like we, come back, when we come back, we're going to follow through on that. We'll hear from the capitalist. Uh, you're a capitalist as well, but right. we're talking about, and, and you want to talk about some of the downsides of capitalism sure. uh, from our Republican. I'm Bruce Dumont, back shortly from Chicago. Rod. A new exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. 
From Bandstand to Gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack. And we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. Chris Dumont uh, back in Chicago. Can you finish that story? Is it an on-air story? I'll go ahead and finish it. Kenton McCarthy's got a, he's got a tip for you. No, I, I flew here on an airline that may or may not be based in Chicago. And I asked, <laughs> I asked because I'm a loyal customer. And I asked the flight attendant, I said, are there any more heightened precautions being taken given this virus scare and blah, blah, blah on, on at least domestic flights? Because I came in with Clorox uh, wipes and my girlfriend did the same thing. We wiped everything yeah. down. Um, she said, no. I said, so the ground crew is not doing anything more than they usually did? She goes, no. She hasn't seen a mask. I didn't see a mask. I saw one mask at O'Hare. Yeah, you want the mask to drop down. I, the I don't know, but she says down, it's the, the risk is more on international flights. But domestically, there's... You wanted to make a point. We're going to get back to calls in just a moment. But you wanted to make a, a comment. Uh, our first hour, we talked about uh, coronavirus. Violence, right. uh, coronavirus. You want to make a point about how it's, what its impact is on capitalism. Capitalism, here's, here's how I grew up. I grew up in the UFC, Milton Friedman, Cato, Reason, Wall Street Journal editorial page on capitalism. Okay, free markets let capital and labor move where it's treated best. That has advanced to the point where we've the the global corporations and the transnationalists have created an integrated global system of just in time, which is great as an inventory model. But we're so interwoven that we can't stand the shocks like like Corona is doing to the system. In other words, this this plays into the hands of nationalism. If we can't, if most of our medical supplies are outsourced to China, how has capitalism, raw capitalism, helped us currently? So, and that's where that's where I think uh, the UFC school is dead, the Wall Street Journal editorial page is dead, and Davos man is dead. Do you think there will be more manufacturing jobs returning to the United States that are medically focused? Jobs. I would hope so, and I would think someone in D.C. would have the wits to suggest yeah, that. Go to Mexico. I mean, supply chain's right there. You've got technology right there. Monterey is a, is a mammoth of manufacturing already. It's easy to tack on healthcare. Um, I would. I wouldn't. Wouldn't that be a good political position to have if you were to say, "Yeah, I'm going would, to bring." You would think uh, I'm going to bring jobs back to the United States, I, and we're going to make. Uh, you know, I mean, 3M is already making masks. How about masks, we don't care about but, that and just do what's what's helping people for real? Like, look, if Israel has got a solution, let's talk to Israel. If if it's Mexico, let's talk to Mexico. If it's Texas, people in Texas have been doing research like crazy in that land of the sea. But if it's Americans who have the ability to do a job, why would you not give the job to an American over a Mexican? Well, if you believe in free markets then you're going to go wherever the most efficient solution is. What if you're doing we did something? That. We, we, yeah, right. we went to China. China came, China came to the WTO and said, I've got four to 600 million illiterate farmers that can be converted to manual labor cheaply. Yeah. 
and you can outsource all your manufacturing, and you can basically Walmart's supply chain comes from China. Right. How is that helping us? One second. I want to go to Brent, and then we're going to to Anthony. So a couple things. First of all, the point you're making uh, relates to the first point you're making about the the interconnectivity of supply chains. This ties into the work that the smartest human being in America put together several years ago, Nassim Taleb, and the notion of being anti-fragile. And he talked about the fragility of large systems. He's the guy that came up with the black swan. What we've done through globalism and through also domestically, like with our banking system, which is now very centralized, very siloed, very big, we have made ourselves incredibly fragile to any sort of systemic shock. So that's not about capitalism. Capitalism, by the way, the only economic system ever that wasn't invented. It just growed. All right? It's the natural thing that happens when you have property rights in free exchange. It's something that takes place. So it will go wherever it goes if a country decides for national security reasons or otherwise, to say deals with this country are a bad idea, limitations here are a bad idea, surrendering our manufacturing of key items out here is a bad idea. That's not disrupting free markets. That's making a national security or other sort of decision in which free markets will work just fine. You can't stop them. They're like life on Jurassic Park. They find a way. Anthony. Can you restate your question? Um, was was it about bringing uh, the industry of the healthcare industry, bringing those jobs? I'm talking. I'm talking about what what a lot of people are saying now. I think is why is it taking so long to get test kits? Mm, yeah. And why is it going to take so long to get a virus to get to get a, a vaccine? Well, though, I mean, there are, you can't really speed up vaccine research you know the i know the president kind of cringes when when uh uh, when fauci says 18 months maybe 18 months i don't know whether you can speed that up but it would certainly whether you're making masks or you're making test kits uh and some of those things are being made in china or involved in in material in china i don't know why some of those things or more of those things could not be made in the united states and and we may be at a point now where the american person is going to say, I'll, let's make them in the United States. Maybe I'll pay a little bit more for them, yeah. but damn it, they'll be here and we won't have right. to wait six months but for them. ordinary working class Americans don't have control over the economy now, do they? Now, it's corporate boards and CEOs who are making decisions to maximize their profits, right? So, of course, they're outsourcing jobs because they want to pay lower wages to workers that also have less working rights that that don't have union representation um we could have those jobs here in the united states but it is american workers who need to be at the helm of decision making not corporate ceos who are trying to maximize or corporate ceos who understand that we are in a crisis situation now and the and the american public the consuming public right is demanding a faster turnaround on the making right. of a product. Right, but so maybe raising the cost of the product would not be something that they would run the opposite. Right. And nor, nor do I think uh, a profit-based uh, market when it comes to people's health is the most efficient and most responsible way of meeting a crisis. Okay, let's go back to uh, Roger. Roger's listening to us in Austin, Texas, listening to us on KLBJ. Let's go back to the... Central time zone. Hopefully you changed your clock last night. Uh, Roger, you're with us. Go ahead. I changed many clocks. Thank you, Bruce. <laughs> Always good to be on, Thank you. on with you. 
Uh, Anthony, gosh, you've got the talking points down really well. i got to give you credit. You know, there's 12 million people in this country that are working more than one job. That's it, 12 million. That's the Bureau of Labor Statistics. You know, you, you say we're going to evolve into this socialist, uh, improved society. You might go back to, to 1917 and look at the Bolshevik re- Revolution, which is kind of what you're advocating. And almost 20% of their population died in that revolution because you think that these owners of these businesses are just going to hand the keys to the front door to their employees. And, and then, and then you, you, you make this absurd claim that, oh, well, they're going to run this thing better and fairer and all this. That's kind of like being on an airplane at 10,000 feet and having the guy next to you who used flight simulator once on his computer to take over the pilot's yeah. job. You know, people have skills, sir. And these, these, these people that don't have homes that are homeless and don't have the best jobs and stuff, they need to get skills. They're a victim of their own choices to a large degree. People have to take some level of responsibility for their lot in life. Yeah, Everybody can't just be handed something. That's but, a recipe for disaster, dude. You've got to earn it. There's got to be some incentive, man. Listen. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. Uh, my dude, here, listen to me on this one. So your airplane metaphor, no, I'm not advocating for the, uh, you know, the passengers of the plane uh, to take control of the plane. I'm advocating that the pilot and that the air uh, attendants, air flight attendants, you know, know best their working conditions and they should be the ones advocating for the things that they require not big wig corporate ceos who are trying to again maximize profits and don't care about the working conditions of the people or the conditions of consumers that's why you sit in those really uncomfortable seats and workers are trying to fight for fair wages and their health care is being put on the line what i'm saying is we need an economy that's run by workers and in their communities because they know what's best and can, they know what's can happening I, can i support Roberto. and right, yes and we and need you, to overthrow the ruling class of this country roger go ahead roger Go ahead. And, you all, and you all, you also claim, you know, we got to have this free uh, Medicare for all. It's, Look, Medicare is a is a system that it was people paid into that's for right. decades before they can get it. Medicare has premiums that those people have to pay in. It is not free health care, and I don't know a single doctor, nurse, or a hospital guy that doesn't want to get paid for all of their years in school and all of their training and all of their skills because that's the way the real world yeah, works. Right. I, apparently that, you've that's never why had the National yeah. Nurses United, the largest nurses union in the country, uh, has endorsed Senator Sanders right. and has been on the front lines for fighting for Medicare for all for but years. Medicare, that's, that's but a, Medicare for all is, is Medicare, Medicare for all is false advertising. Oh. It isn't Medicare because the caller is right. You paid into that. It's more Medicaid for all. Isn't it more Medicaid for all? It's 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 free health care for people that don't have money and can't pay for it. We're all or don't pay- have to pay for We're, it. Or don't have to pay for it. Right, but people are paying for Medicare when they, you know, pe- people's income taxes, right? They're also we're paying far more. And I pay through, into Medicare. Right? I have a Medicare supplemental. I mean, uh-huh. I make that decision. The the Senator but Sanders, I paid into Senator that. Senator Sanders Medicare for all plan 
calls for eliminating copays, eliminating deductibles, and, and, and premiums, right? Costing trillions okay, so of can, dollars. Right, but that's prioritizing the, money, the wealth that we are generating here in the United States, also making sure that there's mass wealth redistribution from the rich who are just sitting on their, on their wealth, the wealth that they took from us, and making sure that we are creating a program that can meet the needs of every single working Wait, American. 15 seconds to you, Roberto. You want to follow up sure, on this? Sure, Roger. So to the airplane thing, it was uh, Boeing who didn't tell us that those 737s were dangerous, and it was the flight attendants that brought up the alarm. It was the pilots that brought up the alarm. They said, we're not going to fly them anymore. But they didn't listen to the workers. No. So they, they it, were, it, so were, those are were, the workers. They were eminently... You guys are agreeing, is what I'm saying. It's not It's not a pure socialist radical movement. It's not a pure capitalist. It's a blended economy. That's my point. Roger, thanks very much for your call. We've heard from the West Coast. We've heard from uh, time, Central Time Zone. I'm looking at the board here. I know you're going to all wait around for this. The Eastern Time Zone reports next on Beyond the Beltway. The economy is not working for everybody, especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's e-verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers or require e-verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers count. Every year, millions of Americans use opioids to manage pain. And reliance on opioids has led to the worst drug crisis in American history. That's why the CDC recommends safer alternatives, like physical therapy, to manage pain. Physical therapists treat pain through movement, hands-on care, and patient education. No warning labels required. When it comes to your health, you have a choice. Choose physical therapy. Visit MoveForwardPT.com to find a physical therapist in your area. Bruce Dumont back in Chicago. Thanks for joining us from coast to coast and border to border and around the world. And I promised you uh, the voice of uh, the Eastern Time Zone, and that is Phil in Shrewsbury, Massachusetts, listening tonight on POTUS uh, Channel 124 on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Go ahead, Phil. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Hey, okay. Uh, quick question, hey, Phil. Quick question for Anthony. Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm a popular guy tonight. Yeah, obviously, you're advocating for socialism, yeah. and I'm just wondering... Tell me a little bit about, you know, people have a choice. They can emigrate or emigrate from, from their spot. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to know why or if there is significant immigration or emigration into the socialist countries of the world. So into Venezuela, into Cuba, or even emigra- immigration or emigration out of the more, we'll call them the more socialist uh, states of the, of the country. We'll call it Illinois and California. If you can, you know, talk about the free choice that people have, why do they tend to either go to those countries as states or not to? You know, tell me, tell me about what's going on, and you know, decisions that real people are making. Yeah, absolutely. There is no doubt in my mind that the economic conditions and social conditions of countries like Venezuela are extremely difficult, and people have the right to make the decisions that they need to make. But we're also looking at destabilization across Latin America in general. Um, people are, you know, people's countries have been uh, taken over by corrupt leaders or by the cartel, and people are escaping because they're looking for a better life, right? Um, yet when uh, they come to the United States for that better life, they're turned to go away and make your country better uh, and all sorts of things. So it's it's really weird that you know there's this. Um, um, 
there's this thing that the United States does about saying, uh, you know, fight to make your country better, um, but then also you can't come here and like make things better. It's it's really weird. There's a, there's kind of a hypocrisy with the United States. Um, but there, the, the the reality of the matter is, I don't know those exact exact numbers if people are moving in, people are moving out. Um, but what we do need to fight for is you know, universal solidarity across the country, across the world, where we need to fight for better conditions economically, racially, and socially for it's, everybody. It's, it's okay, Phil, thank you for your call. Go ahead. It's, it's ironic that most of the corrupt politicians in South America were pursuing socialist dreams. It's, it's, it's funny how you go, you get around from South America and sanctions by the bully capitalists, and then you get into immigration policy. Well, I mean, he, his, it's like hurting his cats. Is, his, his question is around immigration. And it's true that the United States is the largest economic force in the Western Hemisphere. Arguably, and, and that's world. why it's the mo- it, it attracts the most people because it ex- who are leaving brutal socialist regimes. Gentlemen, I want to I take back the reins here for a second yeah, and, sure. and turn to our Democrats. And Roberto, we'll start with you. Um, no. It appears, it oh, appears now uh, that there's a three person race, sure. two men and Tulsi Gabbard is still in the race. It was interesting. The discussions today on some of the Sunday morning shows were uh, the the way in which uh, women were treated, how they're disrespected. They were following some of the comments made by Elizabeth Warren. And then later in the discussion, they kept back saying, well, it's down to a two-man race. Tulsi Gabbard is still in the race, not likely to win the Democratic nomination. And again, when we look at the, at the, uh, the current delegates, uh, Joe Biden now has 664 delegates as of the moment. Bernie Sanders, 573. That changed last week when there were the big surprises in Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday, as you know, uh, Joe Biden won 10 states. Bernie Sanders won four states. The big, big surprise, I think, was in the state of Texas, where I don't think too many people were predicting, including last week on this program, I don't think people were predicting that Bernie Sanders was going to lose in Texas. But he did, and he, and he obviously uh, he, he ran well in California, although Joe Biden ran better. But my question is, now since we've got, I'm looking at yeah. two uh, of, the, of the mano-mano candidates in the Democratic primary. They're all hugging each uh, other right oh now. Boy. Because we're going to beat Trump, why? that's why. Why? <laughs> okay. You want to beat Trump. Right. Uh, do you believe that uh, you obviously like Joe Biden? You said you liked Joe Biden for yeah. a long time. Yeah, yeah. Can a Democrat socialist be elected president of the United States? Bernie Sanders. If your guy loses, if your guy loses... Will you vote for Bernie Sanders, and do you think he can win the White House? Uh, well, first of all, for Phil, just so you know, a lot of people go to Mexico for health care because their system is very, very affordable, and there's tons of tourism that goes there. So I'll give you an example because this question was on tourism and, 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 and you know expats. Mexico is filled with people overstaying their visas, technically undocumented, who go there for health care and for quality of life. To your question, <laughs> and I, I wish we could have done more on that but because um, I love Mexico. <laughs> The answer is yes. Any, anybody who is, whether it's Tulsi or it's Bernie or it's Joe Biden. Anybody but Trump. You vote for we, we, anybody. It's about policy. It's not, it's not about personality. I don't care about what he says or, or, or how he insults people. His so policy, why, is, why is he better? Why is he better than Bernie Sanders? Biden? 
Yes. Okay. Well, j- but let me just be clear. <laughs> we, we are voting, ag- we are voting against question. kids in cages. That's what we're voting against. And, and the policies. Wait, 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 Bernie wait, wait, Sanders is for, was for kids in cages? You are already. They know that. Guys, just, we want to give them a break okay. here. You, the, we'll get the, we'll, the Republicans will weigh in on this in a moment. You want to move the campaign to the general election already. I'm asking you between now uh-huh. and, and, and the convention in Milwaukee, 90 miles from here, uh-huh. you could lose. Joe Biden doesn't have this thing locked up at the moment. You could lose to Bernie Sanders. Well, um, Michigan is plus seven for Biden. That's next week. Okay. Um, You're predicting. Uh, yeah, well, it's plus seven. So I'm not saying it will, will but, but he's outperformed in Texas. He outperformed in California. Uh, Texas and Virginia were amazing. And with, with respect to uh, the Democratic Socialists in his home state, I'm an old precinct captain. Yeah. He went from 86% last time to just over 50%. Yes. And on, on the street, if you can't. That's not so great. If you can't carry your precinct, you won't be the captain for much longer. That's our, our take on it. Okay. So the trajectories are that after the consolidation of what I would say centrists, because I'm not really a liberal, of moderates and centrists, we have seen people say, wow, the evidence is in Texas, the early voters were going for, I think I want to say it was about 17% in the early voters were going for Biden. But after they saw South Carolina, they're like, wow, and it doubled. Are you worried about his age? His uh, apparent uh, diminished Con- mental acuity. <laughs> Does do any of those things worry <laughs> you? That is a very, very uh, good talking point that I heard with Hillary, and people slammed her on cognitive capacity because she got sick at the 9/11 memorial. Well, she collapsed. Well, she got sick, right? Yeah. And and so she. Uh, like a, like a heat stroke, right? Right. There, there, there was a moment where she needed a little bit of care and a break, and that's fine. That didn't mean that Hillary was going to be falling apart with malaria. Like, people are making his, a stutter out to be some kind of diminished... A dim- stutter? No one is complaining wow. about his stuttering. All right, <laughs> so is, now let me ask... I'm going I'm I'm to... Quick, a quick response. A quick response. Will you, Mr. Democrat Socialist... Democratic. Democratic <laughs> Socialist, will you... I get it. Support Joe Biden if he is the nominee. Yes, of course. Absolutely. Of course. Yeah, you asked me this question with, about Hillary Clinton. I, I'm, I I'm going thing, to. Yeah. I'm going to. I just want to keep yeah. asking you the same yeah, question. Yeah, of course. Are you worried, as some have suggested, yeah. that some of your fellow supporters of Bernie Sanders mm-hmm. will either stay home or, God forbid, vote for Donald Trump in the fall? And they will storm out of the convention in Milwaukee if they don't get their way. I don't think that the the amount of people who are who will pull themselves away from not voting is not going to be incredibly significant. What is the responsibility of the Democratic Party if they're going to nominate uh, Joe Biden? And what's the responsibility of the Joe Biden campaign is to excite millions of people across this country to vote for him and to vote against Trump. Right. But if he's not an exciting candidate, then he will lose. And that's my, my worry is electability. He's my, not exciting. My, correct. He's not exciting. Right now. Would you acknowledge that the people that walked away from uh, Hillary Clinton and voted for uh, 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 Donald Trump would you acknowledge that they were the difference between victory and defeat in some no, states? No, no, no. Remember, Hillary Clinton won by <laughs> three million votes. The the, the problem. I'm of talking about the states yeah. that the states that count. Oh yeah, yeah, no, and there, absolutely. There are 
states like Pennsylvania and Michigan, right, where workers right. Uh, were, were looking for a break from the establishment. That's what 2016 was about, was a break from the establishment. And what you had was a product of the establishment, Donald Trump, and then you had the establishment incarnate, Hillary Clinton, and people did not want Is the Joe Biden the, 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 the yes. same as Hillary Clinton? He comes from the same wing of moderates that are not exciting, and every time we run a moderate, we lose, right? So right now, we need to have an exciting candidate like Bernie Sanders. Exit polls in the states where uh, Joe Biden won, I think, again, the reason why Joe Biden won is because a lot of voters are traumatized. They want someone who's going to beat Trump. And when they saw this consolidation of moderates behind Joe Biden, they're like, that's our guy. People are going around him. There was like a frenzy. and people. Why is that going to change? Why is that going to change uh, this Tuesday in uh, because, Michigan and Minnesota? I, I, I hope it's going to change because Bernie and our grassroots uh, or, uh, army are knocking on people's doors and talking to people about things like Medicare for all. Green Why Deal. has his turnout been down? His turnout from 16 is down. Right. Why? We, if all the enthusiasm well, that, is that, there, I, that I don't know. I can't confirm the, the, what you what you just said about turnout well, being lower. It's true. Because, I'm not making it up because there has been significant increased turnout in young younger people and people of color and Latinos, especially Latinos, have come out in droves for for Senator Sanders. But I also want to point out that the exit polls in these states also showed overwhelming support for programs like Medicare for All, a Green New Deal, eliminating student loan debt and medical debt. So the program and the agenda is popular. We just need to start making sure that we can make the case that we can not only beat. Trump, but transform this country forever. Anybody but blue. Any, only blue. Only blue. Um, You're only going to vote blue. We need to beat Trump right now. Beat Trump. Yeah. Okay. When we come back, there's another side to this little scenario. We'll hear from them when we come back. Scissors rock to see who gets... Exhibit from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Stay tuned. Rock on TV. Artifacts from the Jackson 5, Sonny and Cher, Elvis, Cindy Lauper, ZZ Top, Eric Clapton, and more. Now at the Museum of Broadcast Communications, 360 North State Street, Chicago. From bandstand to gaga, let's rock on TV. For info and tickets, visit museum.tv. You have the right to know. The right to know about culture. The right to know about the economy. The right to know about technology and to know about sports. You have the right to know about education and politics and the weather. You have the right to know what's happening abroad and in your backyard. But above all else, you have the right to know that this right is under attack and we must work to protect it. Because in order to be free, we must be informed. Understand the threats. ProtectPressFreedom.org. On back in Chicago. Thank you very much for joining us. Our telephone number is 1-800-723-8289. If you'd like to give us a call, uh, we do have callers on the line. We're going to get to all the callers. And to all of the callers who are on the line, we are going to get to you. You're going to be part of uh, the program this evening. However, we are going to do uh, tonight what we did a couple of weeks ago. We had a lot of activity. We had a very good conversation going. And at the, uh, the top of the hour when our regular radio show ends, we're going to keep going. So we will be live on YouTube. 
We will be live on, uh, on, on, on our Facebook page, Beyond the Beltway Facebook page, and we're going to keep going. We'll be taking telephone calls, and we'll also continue this discussion, maybe get a little deeper into the conversation between uh, capitalism and socialism. So stay right where you are. The only people that we're going to say bye-bye to are the people that are listening to us live on radio at this very moment. Again, back to discussion to our Republicans. You heard all this... <laughs> I did. Mm. I won't refer to propaganda. <laughs> I heard all of this propaganda from, from your side, from the Democratic side. Um, how do you combat that? And uh, let's say for the sake of this discussion, because we've talked a lot about Bernie Sanders as the Democratic nominee on this program. We have not talked a lot about Joe Biden as the nominee because it was a questionable discussion point up until well, you know, that, a week the, ago. The Biden phenomena proves a couple of points. First of all, this idea that, that money can buy access to office is now dead because right. what we learned from Bloomberg is you can't buy height and you can only buy American Samoa. Yes. Okay, that's as far as he got. Right. Um, the other thing we learned, especially in the last two weeks, is that this the Democratic Party, the party of wokeness, which some people call the coalition of the fringes, um, has managed to blow out gays, women. They're trying to get Tulsi Gabbard, who's probably the most clear-headed voice on that side. They're trying to get her off the debate. Um, they blow out. They blew out the billionaires, and they have now centered on. You forgot the, black people. And, and, oh yeah, the indigenous people, Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> the blacks, <laughs> Devil Patrick never bothered to the show ball. up. Booker, they, they blew Booker out. Kamala, they blew her out. So this this so-called woke party managed to blow out all the people for whom they pretend to represent. And they've centered on... Not the party, though, no. Kenton. Well, there's... Only the people in the party. The, this, the, the deep state of the Democratic Party is about as deep as a mud puddle. It's so apparent what they're doing. And my theory is that, this is based on one of my good friends, is that Biden is, is so rapidly declining, his VP choice will end up being the president inside of two years. Correct. And I think Hillary is sitting there waiting. I think this has been planned. This has been orchestrated. I think they're going to skim past Buttigieg. They're going to skim past Harris. They're going to skim past everyone who they've blown out. And she's going to be the running mate? She's going to be the running mate, and she will take over inside of two years because Biden clearly is declining, and that is borderline elderly abuse. Okay, and that was Kenton McCarthy. And now, Brent Amateur, let's hear hear your – how are you going to run this race? There's a a lot of ground to cover here. First of all, I mean, it's fun to to be in the presence of an actual real – uh, a Biden denier who denies Biden change uh, because we have it. Look, uh, let me just say it very clearly. I'm not going to mince any words. I had a mother who passed away from Alzheimer's. I had a father-in-law with vascular dementia. They both look an awful lot the same in the beginning. Uh, this, this gentleman obviously has an early onset of some form of dementia. His behavior is so erratic. The statements he's making are so over-the-top and outrageous. He got arrested when he went to see Nelson Mandela. He endorsed Trump for president today. I mean, enough. And it's obvious. And it's obvious to everybody. And nobody's talking about it. We're going to see, for the first time in American history, where the number two person on the ticket is the number one 
They're going to package it that way. They're going to market it that way. That means who is picked is it doesn't have to be Hillary. Could be. I'm still terrified like I was a year ago. I'm terrified of Michelle Obama. If she decides to do it, it's over. They win. So let's say she doesn't. It doesn't have to be somebody big name, but it's got to be somebody really, really polishable who can look presidential because there won't be, despite the mainstream media being unwilling to talk about this, there will be no way to hide it when he's the nominee. There'll be no way to hide it when he's on the debate stage. You won't be able to hide this. You said uh, during the uh, last break, Kenton, you think that this is elder abuse. I do. They're, ex they're exploiting the mental decline of an individual for political purposes. And people who are listening to this program will say, the pr we have the President of the United States who misspeaks all the time. There is no way to compare, no way to compare the things that Donald Trump, look, I get it that people don't like Donald Trump. That's fine. I, I didn't like the last president. I can assure you I disliked him as much as somebody else doesn't like Donald Trump. Donald Trump is not showing signs of serious mental decline. You might not like him, but he's not. I guess I would question what the, 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 seriousness, the seriousness with what you're talking about. I mean, uh, for instance... Watch the videos, well, well, Bruce. I've I, I, I watched some videos, and again, I, I want to just say that I'm 75 years old, and I, I misspeak sometimes on this program. He's not misspeaking. He's saying things that are... He got arrested when he went to visit Nelson Mandela. That's a lie. That's a lie. That, that that's not misspeaking. That that, that that's a not dementia. This is a, this is a guy that, who, that's who not does dementia. not know what that's misinformation. Right. That's yeah, all. Okay. All right, so what I'm going to say is to our Republicans, to our Democrats, to our Democratic Socialist. <laughs> he got it. <laughs> he's been a Democratic Socialist since he was a young man, and he still is very much a young man. Uh, they are all going to stay here. We're going to take. We're going to continue to take calls at uh, 1-800-723-8289. 1-800-723-8289. It would have been funny had I forgotten the phone number <laughs> at that point. We're going to continue to take calls. Again, if you're listening to us on radio, we thank you very much. We'll see you and we'll talk to you next week. If you're watching us on YouTube or you're watching us on uh, Facebook Live, uh, Beyond the Beltway Facebook Live, uh, we will continue in just a couple of minutes, continuing to take phone calls and have a, uh, keep our discussion going uh, in the extended edition of Beyond the Beltway. Do you worry about how much someone drinks? Do you feel angry or depressed most of the time? Do you feel neglected or unloved? Do you feel that if the drinker loved you, she or he would stop drinking? If you answered yes to any of these questions, you are not alone. Not everyone trapped by alcohol is an alcoholic. Families and friends are suffering, too. Al-Anon and Alateen can help. Call 1-866-200-0223 or visit alanon.org slash help. My name is Bobby. I'm a veteran and lost my leg to a roadside bomb. My victory was going from a wheelchair to becoming a weightlifting champion. I'm Sam. I'm a veteran. My victory was finding a career that I could be proud of. At DAV, we're on a mission, helping veterans of all generations get the benefits they've earned. I'm Cece. My victory was finishing my education. When America's veterans win, we all win. Help us support more victories for veterans. Go to DAV.org. The economy is not working for everybody. 
especially those in jobs where unscrupulous businesses keep wages lower by hiring millions of illegal workers. Those businesses could use the government's E-Verify system to prevent illegal hiring, but they refuse. What's best for the country? Let businesses continue to hire illegal workers? Or require E-Verify, raise wages, and recruit left-behind Americans? See what voters want at eVerifyWorks.com. Paid for by Numbers USA, because numbers count. GTG, BRB, OMW, be there in a few. You may think that these kinds of texts are fine because of their length, and you can easily send them at a stoplight. But no, answering one text can take your attention away from the road for five seconds. And traveling at 55 miles an hour, that's enough time to travel the length of a football field. Make good decisions. Don't text and drive. Visit StopTextStopRex.org, a message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration. Project Yellow Light, Noise, and the Ad Council. Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. 